open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Mark Wong Tower, Mark Wong Tower, this is Albatross 1 3, requesting permission to land. Over. I don't need a computer to tell me how to land a damn airplane. Six. Heads up display, check. Five. Lasers, check. Four. Particle beam, check. Three. Photon bolts, check. Two. Chair control, check. One. Let's do it. Broadcasting from a secret underground location somewhere in Moss Eisley, this is the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Make yourself comfortable. The show is about to start. Hello and welcome to the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. I am your host and survivor of an alien invasion, Dayton Johnson. I have friends, believe it or not, and I've invited a couple of them to talk about a couple of somewhat related movies. Please welcome... The most gifted of the three, Amber Lewis. Hello, Amber. Wow, you're really putting the pressure on. <laughs> nice to be here again. And the guy most likely to have his name on a red ball, Disney John. <laughs> <laughs> truer words, sir. Truer words. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> All right. It is December. And uh, that little known director, Steven Spielberg, has a movie yep. in the theaters right now, The Fablemans. And he also just celebrated a birthday. Uh, in honor of this, I thought it'd be great fun for us to discuss a couple of his movies. These movies are both based on previously published material. Both are science fiction and both star Tom Cruise. We are comparing and contrasting the 2002 Minority Report and the 2005 War of the Worlds. Now, before we get into all the nitty gritty stuff about the movies, I prepared a very brief history on Steven Spielberg. I mean, there's literally books about this guy. Uh, I tried to hit some of the highlights. So here we go. Uh, Steven Spielberg was born on December 18th, 1946 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yay, a local Yay! boy. His mother was a restaurateur and a pianist. His father was an electrical engineer involved in designing computers. Uh, Steven is the eldest of four. He has three younger sisters. Uh, his family moved to New Jersey. Arizona, and eventually California. At age 12, he made his first movie. It was a train crash sequence using his toy trains. Uh, he made a nine-minute, eight-millimeter movie called The Last Gunfight, which he used to get a merit badge in photography while he was in the Boy Scouts. Uh, he eventually reached the rank of Eagle Scout, which is pretty impressive. Uh, at age 13, he made a 40-minute movie called Escape to Nowhere that won a statewide competition. He continued making movies all the way through high school. Uh, some accounts say as many up to 20 uh, he made while he was there. Uh, he credits David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia as the spark that, quote, sent me on my journey. In 1963, he wrote and directed his first feature-length film. It had a runtime of two hours and 10 minutes. Uh, the independent movie Firelight. It was the inspiration for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In 1964, he worked as an unpaid assistant at Universal Studios. In 1968, he wrote and directed the 26-minute, 35-millimeter film Amblin, which, of course, would go on to be the name of his production company. Uh, Universal Studios released it into the theaters, and the studio vice president, Sid Scheinberg, offered Spielberg a seven-year directing contract, which led him to directly, uh, excuse me, which led him to direct mostly TV shows. This did lead him, however, to direct the TV movie, Duel, 
about a guy being uh, terrorized by a semi on the interstate. Um, after that, he got to do a theatrical uh, film, Sugarland Express, starring Goldie Hawn, Ben Johnson, and William Atherton. After that, he did Jaws, and I'm pretty sure we all know where it went after that. So I will stop there. Okay. So Rapture, where does he go next? <laughs> <laughs> this is also, though, our kind of anniversary because we, our first uh, episode of this podcast we did together was West Side Story. Right. And it was yeah. in December as well. That's right. I mean, we did that because he did his West Side Story last December, yeah. um, which I still haven't seen. So I'll get around to it. Oh, my gosh. It's on <laughs> Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> I know I do. I know I do. Okay, so we are going to discuss uh, Minority Report first. Uh, before we get into the movie, uh, Disney John has pre- uh, prepared a brief history on the author, Philip K. Dick. Go ahead. I did. Um, Philip Kindred Dick um, was born in December 16, 1928. Um, he was an American science fiction writer, and he wrote 44 novels and about 121 short stories, most of which appeared in science fiction magazines during his lifetime. His fiction explored varied philosophical and social questions, such as the nature of reality, perception, human nature, and identity, and commonly featured characters struggling against elements such as alternate realities, illusory environments, monopolistic corporations, drug abuse, um, authoritarian governments, and altered states of consciousness. He was born in Chicago and then moved to San Francisco Bay Area um, with his family at a young age, and he began publishing science fiction stories in 1952 at the age of 23. He found little commercial success until he his alternate history novel, The Man in High Castle, highly recommend the Amazon uh, uh, Prime video series on that. It's very good. Um, and that was in 1962. And he got um, and it earned him an acclaim, including a Hugo Award for the best novel when he was 33. Following years of drug abuse and a series of mystical experiences in 1974, which who didn't, um, Dick's work engaged more explicitly um, with issues of theology, metaphysics, and the nature of reality in his novels A Scanner Darkly, Vallis, and The Transmigration of Timothy Archer, a collection of his speculative nonfiction writing on these themes was published posthumously as the Exogenesis of Philip K. Dick in 2011, and he died in 1982 in Santa Ana, California, at the age of 53. Wow! Thank you, John. I, yeah, he did. A, he did a lot. I didn't realize. I honestly didn't realize that he wrote the Man in High Castle because I, I watched the first season of that, and it was very good. Um, so now I want to go read the book. <laughs> so, uh, preparing for this, I actually did listen to the audiobooks of both uh, Minority Report and uh, War of the Worlds. And uh, I actually have read um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep because mm-hmm. that's what was the basis for uh, Blade Runner. So Yes, um, which I skipped because I didn't like Blade Runner. <gasps> I know I'm not a very popular guy. Well, I have to kind of agree with you. Like, I can't say I don't like the movie, but I am not a fan of dystopian future. Like, I, I like, like Star Trek future where we've solved our problems and everything's shiny and you know, adventure and stuff like that. So I struggle with uh, Philip K. Dick's version of of what we're going to become. Okay, that's fair. John, yes. don't do this. Don't run. But everybody runs. 
Okay, Jad, what's coming? Double homicide, one male, one female. Killer's male, white, 40. Set up a perimeter and tell them we're en route. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks. Give the man his hat. The future can be seen. All we have to run on are the images that they produce. We see what they see. There hasn't been a murder in six years. There's nothing wrong with the system. It is perfect. I agree. Murder can be stopped. Tell me exactly what it is you're looking for. Flaws. Did we get any false positives? We are arresting individuals who have broken no law. But they will. The fact that you prevent it from happening doesn't change the fact that it was going to happen. The system can't be wrong. Wait. You say something to you? No. You're in a lot of trouble, John. I have a warrant in my pocket that says murder. Don't run. You don't have to chase me. From 20th Century Fox. He set me up. He set me up. And DreamWorks Pictures. Who's the victim? I've never heard of him. But I'm supposed to kill him in less than 36 hours. He's gonna get together. Tom Cruise. I need your help. Keep contained information. I need to know how to get at it. In a Steven Spielberg film. I have to know. I have to find out what happened in my life. You tell me. Who was it? set this up i don't know how about now on june 21st everybody runs Everybody runs. <laughs> All right. Okay. Minority Report. Facts about the movie uh, released June 21st, 2002 uh, from 20th Century Fox, Amblin Entertainment, and DreamWorks Pictures. Written by Scott Frank, who wrote the screenplays for Get Shorty, Out of Sight, which is awesome, and The Wolverine. Uh, John Cohen, uh, this is actually his only screenplay credit. I mean, why not? It was amazing. Uh, of course, starring uh, Tom Cruise, Colin Farrell, Samantha Morton, Max von Sydow, Catherine Morris, who, by the way, is also from Cincinnati, Ohio, another Cincinnati yeah. connection, so yay. Um, music by John Williams. No, not you, John. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a runtime of two hours and 25 minutes on a budget of $102 million. Uh, by the way, Spielberg and Cruise both waived their usual fees to keep the cost down and, oh. and agreed to 15% of the gross, which I think they probably did okay, considering it made $358 million at the box office. Jeez. Right? Not too bad. All right. So I know where I was when I saw this. I could not wait to see this in the theater. As soon as I heard it was a movie based on a Philip K. Dick story. With Tom Cruise and Spielberg, I'm like, can I buy my ticket now? <laughs> so, it was, I either saw it at AMC Westchester, which it was not called that at the time, or I saw it at uh, Springdale Cinemas, which is, used to be one of my favorite theaters. So, John, do you remember when and or where you saw this? This was back in 2002, huh? I probably didn't see it, honestly. I don't know. I had to see it in 2002, probably 2003, actually, when I probably moved back into Cincinnati is no, when I saw it. So I did not, I don't, I mean, if I saw it in a theater, I definitely saw it in the second round theater, probably up at uh forest fair. All right. All right. That's fair. How about you, Amber? Um, this was an appointment at the movie theater. Um, Liam was <laughs> probably about a year old, so <laughs> I didn't go to the movies a lot. Um, but this was one where, Clear the schedule, get a babysitter. Definitely first in line to see this one. All right. Very cool. The precogs can see a murder four days out. Why the late call? 
and we call it a red ball. With crimes of passion, there's no premeditation, so they show up late. Most of our scrambles are flash events like this one. We rarely see anything with premeditation anymore. People have gotten the message. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's uh, talk about things we like about the Minority Report. John, what do you got for us? So I love this movie from beginning to end. I, like, There's just nothing about this movie that disappoints me. Um, I mean, there's one, but we'll talk about that later. Um, I just like the entire story. It was so engaging to me. And, and when I was watching these movies for the first time, um, I have a slew of notes over War of the Worlds. And I have literally one line, and that's my <laughs> dislike about Minority Report. It was so engaging. I, yes. I mean, it's just a well-told story, and it's just enough of a excitement to keep you on the edge of your seat. And then as you're sitting back for the next, like, oh, my God, here something happened again. So <laughs> um, I, I was just never not entertained by this movie. All right. Amber? Um. Uh, same i love that it is a it's not really science fiction as i think of science fiction um it's a murder mystery wrapped in a futuristic setting um and i think that just sometimes science fiction for its own sake gets so lost in the the details of the world they're creating Mm -hmm. that there's not really a story to hold it up and I think that the mystery of, you know, who's committing these murders and, you know, the questions that you can debate when the movie's over, you know, about pre-crime and, and yeah. is that even a legal concept, right? Um, you know, are just really fun to think about. And, um, you know, just it's a really great ride. And like John said, you get some thrills in there to keep you going, but I love the the murder mystery of it all. No, absolutely. And it's, and you're right sometimes because it, it is, um it is science fiction just because of the, the look and the technologies because they, we don't have them. Uh, but it, it, it's first and foremost, well, we didn't it, then some of them we do now. Well, <laughs> we still don't have the six stick and we don't have the concussion gun and we don't right? have the cars that really, <laughs> that I go want those like, cars so bad. I know, I know they're just kind of awesome. Um, but no, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a future that I kind of like the idea of, um, we'll get into pre-crime in a little bit, but, uh, yeah, it, it's from the opening scene. It just it it oh yeah you know, it just takes you and takes you and for a I ride love and that it's a cold open yes yes absolutely absolutely yeah. you right into the red ball and you're just off and yeah you're just like what the heck is going on here and then suddenly you go oh this is cool well yeah because you have you know he's he's moving the screens around and everything. it's just yeah it's it sucks you in uh, from the opening scene and it never it it slows down at times on purpose so you can catch your mm-hmm. breath, but it never gets boring. You're absolutely right, John. I, all my notes came after the fact I had to sit down and, you know, go, okay, I'm going to answer all the questions I sent to you guys. So I don't have to do sit down and do this. So, and I can honestly tell you, I, I, I don't have a dislike at all in this movie. So I, I struggled with that anyway, but no, I'll take care of that for you. But I'm sure you will. I've got one. <laughs> I've got one, but I mean, it for me, the pacing of that movie like I, I mean, I've heard I listen to your podcast all the time, and I always talk, hear you guys talk about the pacing. I understand that with this movie because there are the times where you have just a, you have a literal moment just to take a breath, like oh my god, whoo, that was okay, and then they drop either knowledge on you, like like they drop that 
breadcrumb and you're like what and then your brain goes excited and then the action starts up again and so it was just like this great roller coaster of a ride telling the story about pre-crime which was yeah oh my god <laughs> well, I like i'm sorry the, i love this movie i like that the lulls in the action also inform you who anderton is because mm-hmm. he's you know your sherlock holmes of the story right well, when you're doing sherlock holmes you already know who he is so it's nothing but story where mm-hmm. this you're getting this gradual build of who this guy is and what motivates him and i like that without yeah. a lot of exposition Yes. Right. Yeah. The scenes where you the do where you do get the information, um, like even when they combine the scene where he gets his new eyes, and you find out that this guy uh, was arrested by Anderton years ago mm-hmm. you know, before pre crime. So he was actually a cop before he was part of pre crime, which um, they kind of alluded to that um, one of the other guys that was on there uh, was like a, a tax advisor or something. He wasn't an mm-hmm. actual cop, so he didn't know what. He never actually been to an actual murder scene, so that was interesting. But uh, no, a couple of things I do want to mention um, that really stood out to me: the art direction and the world building that they put on display in this movie uh, to create a world. Um, and what's so amazing about this is three years prior to the actual pr- uh, production began, Spielberg assembled a team of sixteen future experts in Santa Monica to brainstorm out what the year twenty fifty four might look like so they had uh you know people that were part of the media they had people that were architects they had you know uh scientists and came up with all these possible things that would happen by then because in the book or should say in the story there's like almost no description at all of what it looks oh. like at this time so all that stuff you see the I mean, is all created for this movie. i love that i feel it has a very disney imagineering feel to me yes 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 absolutely um, and I also want to call out the uh, the lighting. Uh, the it, it's absolutely fantastic. The cinematographer uh, Janusz Kaminski did a bleach bypass on the film, um, effectively skipping the bleaching of the silver highlight crystals in the film in order to create the desaturated silver tinted colors. Um, oh, I know. And I was like, so glad that you were going to talk about that because I read it and I was like. I don't know what the hell that means. It, I knew Dayton I will, and Dayton will explain it to us. But well, I love the look. Yeah, absolutely, because what it does is, um, it gives us a future look without telling us it's the future. It tells it, it kind of by looking at that way, um, it kind of makes it transports us without having to, you know, we start to accept the cars, we accept the the technology and everything because it has a different look than we're used to, mm-hmm. and. It's it's like you can tell the colors, but they're not quite as crisp. But everything's actually clear at the same time. It's very weird, but I don't care. I absolutely freaking love it. I just it's such a great look, and I think it it literally transports us to that time uh, and puts us right in the middle of. It. I just I think it's great, absolutely great. I so that was one of my dislikes actually. What? And it wasn't and it wasn't necessarily the the I because I do like the look of the film. Don't get me wrong. There are times when they apply filters to it that I think distracts from that really cool effect. Okay. The effect is great. And I know what you're talking about where it looks great, but there are times where they start applying the filters, whether it's through the, that, that precog stuff where they're looking at the, the, the dreams of the, of of the precogs and, and they start applying these filters and I think it almost overwashes it. Okay. Right. I think, I think it would have been better if they had dropped some of the, some of that, um, that, that technique that he was using 
and just let the filter do the work. But I just, there was a few times where I was watching it going like literally my only complaint was like, I don't like some of the filters used. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's a very small complaint. So I won't, I won't argue. <laughs> <laughs> I would and, love to see, I don't have my, I used to have this on Blu-ray or DVD. Um, and I don't anymore. And I would have loved to have seen like a behind the scenes um, kind of thing, because I feel like this movie does not use CGI as much as you would think it did. Um, like, especially one of my likes is um, the assembly line scene. Oh, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. exactly the same scene as in Attack of the Clones, but it's like a hundred times better. Yes, it and is. I would be interested mm-hmm. to know, like, how much of that is practical effect and how much is CGI because it's so much better. And you know that in Attack of the Clones, it was 100% CGI. Right. Well, right. Well, I think that's the uh, I think that's the difference is uh, Spielberg decided how much of it was going to be CGI and how much was going to be, um, you know, practical. And I'm sure there's a decent amount of uh, CGI in there because obviously the um, you have the cityscapes and the uh, mm-hmm. um, you know the the buildings. The cars. The, yeah, the cars are driving are literally going down the sides of the buildings and things like that. So I'm pretty sure most of that is probably CG uh, CGI, but um, on the flip side, the practical effects, like uh, when the uh, spiders are going through that building in the sprawl and we're All doing right. the overhead oh, yes. shots because so you yes. go from room to room. But, I mean, that's just because some might think, oh, my God, they built a set specifically so mm-hmm. you can look down on top and go from room to room. That was yes. so cool. Very cool. So um, it's well it's blended well enough to where you don't no like sometimes you go right. oh that's cg but yes. this is done so well that you have no idea and you don't really give a damn because it's just so it's good. well done right yes yeah yes absolutely um and the action sequences i mean we mentioned like from the opening uh to when um colin farrell uh whitworth's character is chasing uh tom cruise's character anderton and um you know, they use a concussion gun, which is one of the coolest things ever because oh he just flips it around yes. to reload and just, oh my God, that's just like yes. so slick. And well, that's and I all- love a future where we've evolved past, you know, machine guns and bullets. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out would I rather be hit with the concussion gun or the six stick? I haven't quite decided yet. <laughs> Gun. yeah probably uh, yeah <laughs> although i'd probably throw up after i hit the wall but whatever <laughs> right it's cool you know but no that's um yeah and i i agree and that's it's you know that's one of those questions that comes to you're like you know do i put up with pre-crime to live in this future and i think that's an interesting question that the movie asks um mm-hmm. and if if it truly wasn't rigged by the guy that founded it <laughs> you know does it stay you know and um i think that's one of the things i really like about this is not only like like amber said earlier not only is this so much fun and interesting and keeps you trying to figure things out but it does ask those questions that we got from philip k dick's writing you know the kind of whole purpose of the stuff he wrote it asks those questions too so i think that was very well um brought to the screen off the paper like i said the the short story the anim the the audio story was barely two hours long so it was super short and it literally takes place over the like you know um i think 24 hours he has 24 hours and and the only thing that's the same is you have Anderton, who looks nothing like Tom Cruise, by the way. He's fat and balding and then you have (laughs) whitwer is the same name but he's just an assistant 
Um, and he is being framed for a murder. And that's where the similarities end. It literally, okay. I mean, even, the, even his wife's name is different, which I thought was funny too. So um, either way, so to create a whole world like they did based on what little they had to work mm-hmm. with, I think is just fantastic. Well, I think that attributes itself to, um, oh my gosh, my brain tonight. Um, that <laughs> is Spielberg. Yes. Um, that I think that attributes a lot to Spielberg and why he's such a good director is that he is able to build this world from here's three sentences, build a world. And now you've got a, a nice two hour movie and you've got an entire world. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and one I- thing you were talking about earlier about the, um, about pre-crimes and how it questions and, and talks about it. And I thought that was the second journey that you go on through this entire movie, but I don't think you go on it until the end where well, you yeah. go back and you think about the entire movie and you're going like, well, Pre-crime was pretty cool. Like that would be awesome if we could stop all the crimes beforehand. Nothing can go wrong with that. Oh wait, there's a whole movie that tells me why. And <laughs> and and I'm like, you know, if if everybody just you know stayed in their lane and and wasn't trying to go out and be you know get it get it get for themselves what they wanted, I think pre-crimes would be pretty cool. I think that would be, I think it'd be a fascinating. I think it'd just be a fascinating journey and I'm glad this movie exists so I can explore it mentally every time it comes up. (laughs) But I think the interesting thing that they don't really hit very hard in the movie is also that pre-crime comes at the expense of the precogs and their tortured existence that they did not sign up for. Right. They are basically hostages and um you know the moral dilemma of that well like and i agree because like they even mention it when they when uh, we hear the tour outside the building uh the tour guide tells them that they all have their own rooms and they go play tennis and all this stuff sort of basically yeah. lying to the public you know um they do hit that a little bit um very, actually very little in the story in fact they even call mm-hmm. them monkeys because they're just you know they're they you know they're just they call them mutants and and oh, wow. so so their whole they don't even explain where they create where they come from uh so it's interesting in this how they derive from uh you know addicts they're children of addicts so i thought that was an interesting way to explain it but yeah it is one of those things where um i mean my question is you know yeah because now you only have the three um but yeah the question is what do you do with them before i mean you know you know us you know what happens when they pass well, yeah, well, you're still going to use them. Somebody's going to figure out a way to use their ability to see the future because let's be no, honest. I mean, what happens if they pass on? <laughs> right. If they die? They're yeah. going to get old. They're going to oh, have yeah. to die. So, I mean, they're, by that point, some, they're probably figuring out how, how do we transfer these genes across or how do we clone them or Make you know, another. some other. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, so, I mean, that, and that's that moral, that's that moral debate that I think occurs at the end because all three are free at the very end and they're, and they're in that cabin. And I thought that was probably the best decision because I don't want pre-crime with someone being subjugated to make it happen. Right. Unwillingly. And then also, I also question like, once you get haloed, like what, are you stuck in there forever? Like, yep, you're done. What is that? Are you just watching your crime over and over and over again forever? Like there's no rehabilitation. There's no nothing like, yeah, I don't think I don't, they that? don't really completely explain that. I do think, mm. uh, well, they had the one guy down there that plays the music for him to kind of keep him quiet, but yeah. Um, you got to wonder what they're, I just always chalked it up that they're asleep, you know, they're just dreaming, you know? And so, yeah, 
because then he asked that question, I may have haloed innocent people and you're thinking, how bad is it to be yep. haloed? But well, you know, I mean, if it's nothing, then it's not, I don't think it's bad, but I think if you're reliving your crime over and over again, which that would be, I mean, if I was in charge of the way I'd go, I'd be, but I, there'd be a limited time. You're not staying in there for your, you know, your life. Yeah. They never really talk about, um, Mm-mm. yeah, they never really talk about that. So anyway. Their old timer who cleared you. You're not supposed to be in here. Listen, Wally. Do I know you? Who are you? I like you, Wally. So I don't want to have to kick you or hit you with anything hard. But only if you promise to help me. Oh, hi, John. All right. All right. So John already mentioned his. Amber, go ahead, because I don't have any. <laughs> okay. So well, I have uh, quite a few. First of okay, all, I'm gonna take notes. Hold on, I got my pen. Let's go. <laughs> I love Colin Farrell, but I hate him in this movie. He is so boring. I hate him chomping on the gum the whole time. Like his character has no personality. Like you took a man that has like so much charisma and just turned him into like a robot. And I cannot stand him in this movie. See, I think that was on purpose because he represents um, in a way. Well, yeah, he represents uh, the, the government trying to come in and take over something that they're kind of protective of. So I, that might've been done on purpose, but I, I kind of liked him cause he was, I just wanted to punch him and I think I was supposed to. So yeah. I, <laughs> he was a- but there, you're right. There's not a lot, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of Colin Farrell in that character. So no, I, I agree. I see your point. I see your point. Yeah. And then the second thing I hate about this movie, and it's the only reason why I don't watch it more is Steven Spielberg has like a 14 year old boy's sense of humor. And I cannot stand the section where Anderton gets his eye replacement that all of that gross, like, Oh, I love that sequence man. and rotted food. And, Oh, it makes me like gag. Well, you don't oh, like the, the guy. And I cannot. You don't like the guy, you know, quacking. That. You know, you know, quack, quack. That whole section. <laughs> and his I assistant. Think that is such bullshit. Oh. I'm not. So I don't put that to the 14 year old boy part. <laughs> I put that to them trying to understand, like, because up until that point, everything was clean and happy and right and just happy go lucky, kind of like perfect futuristic version of everything. And then you heat the underside. You hit the underbelly of the underbelly, and and now you're seeing like well, it's not all clean. There are some of these undesirables around. And to me, that's how I took it. I didn't take it as as a 14. I mean, 14 year old boy jokes are like poop and fart jokes. But he does it in his <laughs> several of his movies. A lot of his movies have like a gross out somebody with like boogers or something. You know? Oh, we had, yeah. We had I'll that too. That. We had that too when you first introduced the doctor. He sneezes and, you know, and blows yeah, snot like out. The but... snot comes out of his nose. Like, that but... just, I can't handle it. So. I'm right. like, why? Why do we have to do that? That's not I, necessary. I don't know. I, so. I, I don't know. I still like that scene, you know, because <laughs> I well, I do because well, here's my thing. Um, the fact is, he can't see, and we all know how terrible it is to try to make your way around when you can't see. You yeah, know, yeah. The lights are it's totally dark and you can't see and whatever. So he was told there's milk and a sandwich in the fridge, and of yes. course, they didn't think enough to take the other shit out of there. <laughs> They left it all in yeah, there. why would you have right next to it rotted milk and because they don't care he's a crook stupid he's a crook why well, would he care <laughs> and then my last thing and i really want to get into it because i really want to hear what you guys think about this Uh oh when i was watching it 
the other day. I don't like the music. It's like Indiana Jones kind of music. And it makes everything like less serious. It doesn't raise the stakes for the chases or the drama. It just kind of turns it into like a PG-13 kind of movie. Well, now I got to look it up because honestly, I mean, I genuinely, I don't remember the music. So to me, it was just um, impactful or it was so good that I didn't notice the music. Uh, so I can say that off the top of my head, I cannot think of a piece of music from it that stuck out. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, and like I said, I've seen this movie several times. Yeah. And this was the first time that I had that reaction. So I think maybe the story is so compelling that every other time I watched it, I didn't notice. I don't know. But this time I definitely noticed. And it like drove me kind of buggy. Yeah. You know what? I I can't say that you're wrong because I'm racking my brain right now to try and, you know, I guess I guess part of me is, is just that I'm so involved in the what's going on, on the screen that I don't even notice the music. And I think that could be part of the problem. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to think on that one so i so i can't say you're wrong because i i don't have an answer for that it's something to to think about the next time you watch it yeah all right that's yeah i'm not gonna say anything bad about it either i in fact i just now popped up some stuff in the background so i can hear it it just kind of like when there's like a reveal the music kind of does like a ta-da like an indiana jones kind of thing you know (laughs) and the whole chase scene the first everybody runs scene where he's like in the car and stuff like that is a very Indiana Jones, like All right. brass instrument. Hmm. Okay. You know, okay. Flutes kind of riff. So I don't know. We'll have to watch it again. And, and I will. It. I mean, like I, I will watch it again and yeah. I will listen to the I, music, but I never need right. a reason to watch this movie. Cause it's so no. <laughs> no. All right. He's in high school. He likes to run. Like his father, he runs the two mile and the long relay. He's 23. He's at a university. He makes love to a pretty girl named Claire. He asks her to be his wife. He calls here and tells Laura who cries. He still runs across the university and in the stadium where John watches. Oh God, he's running so fast, just like his daddy. He sees his daddy. He wants to run to him. But he's only six years old, and he can't do it. So let's get into a few uh, favorites and things like that. So, John, your favorite and least favorite technology from the movie. Oh, man. (sighs) Okay. I have to say, I like the concussion gun. Yeah, that was my answer like, too. <laughs> I kind of really want a concussion gun because I mean, <laughs> I like I, I am a I am in I am a gun owner, and to me, I would love to have a concussion gun that I could just carry around. Like, no, sir, this won't hurt you. Boom, you know, and just <laughs> whip that thing around and just like I just <laughs> I want it to be like a party favor. I'm just whipping it around and shooting. Right, um, right, right. I, I have to say that would be. Oh man, it, it's so it, for me. It's a draw, right? I, for to my my genuine top two is the concussion gun and the cars. Okay, all right. I want right. one of them cars, right? Yeah. Um, worst technology, the the six stick. 
I hate puking. So like you hit me with a six stick. You've got me, buddy. You don't have to torture but, me like, anymore. Does it just... always make you puke or did it hit that guy? Cause he did it to his No, friend. it's literally like, it got him in his, it literally apple. makes him sick. Cause the same guy that he gets hit with before, uh, he hit, um, when he was escaping, he fell asleep later. So I think it literally makes you sick to the point like, where you're easy to apprehend. So yeah, like, no, thank you. Yeah. Like that, so. that would have to, I'd have to say that that is my least favorite technology. All right. Amber favorite and least favorite. Um, I got to agree with John, uh, the self-driving cars and are amazing. And I love that. And I love the ability to, um, you know, change the way that traffic works, Yeah, you know, and you're going sideways and up the side of a building and all that cool stuff. Um, so I love that. Um, I am a little opposite of John. I'm very anti-gun. So I like the concussion gun because it doesn't require bullets. It doesn't kill anybody. Um, but it, you know, stops bad people from doing bad things. Um, my least favorite is, uh, the retinal scan. Yes. Oh Um, my God. That technology absolutely freaks me out and terrifies me. And I think we're only about like five years away from it. Well, and walking into a store and having them go, Hey, did you enjoy those pants you bought? I'm like, no, no. Well, and that's what I was gonna say. Like, I don't like it when I'm talking to Liam and I say something about, you know, I don't know, we'll say dog food, and we don't even have a dog. And then like I'm surfing on Facebook and all of a sudden a dog food ad pops up. And I'm like, <laughs> what phone in is the listening? Hell just happened and my iPad is listening to me. Like, I gotta say I don't appreciate that technology in the slightest. I agree. That completely. doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. No, no, no. not at all. That doesn't not at scare all. you. That like, no. So do you well, shop a Kroger? Well, do you use a Kroger yeah, card? Liam works yeah. there. Do you yeah. use a Kroger card? They're tracking you that way. It doesn't matter how they're going to. Well, track you. They're going to track you. It's not so care. much. It's not so much the tracking. It's like when he's walking through uh, all those stores and every That's one a personalized of personalized greeting. But every one of them is telling him, "Hey, get away here. Do this." I mean, my brain would explode if I'm walking oh, down a hallway with all like those different subway. things talking to me. Oh, yeah. that would annoy me. That, like yeah. that would annoy me. But don't they have like a didn't? Don't they have a silence mode or something like that where you can blink and turn it off? Probably no. Probably. Not. Or am I thinking of another movie? I'm probably, probably thinking of another, another movie. Because yeah. that would movie. be what I would. That would be my constant state of walking around. Would be like turn that off, right? No. <laughs> don't talk to me. You can put put up a sign and say, "Hey, John, that's fine, but don't talk to me." Yeah, like I, I don't need that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. So I'm I'm glad we're mostly in agreement on those. Okay. Cool. Uh, all right. So <laughs> here's a hard one. Favorite scene, John? No. 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 Just um, the whole thing. <laughs> no. So I, there are several. I think that one of the most impactful first scenes that you have is him standing in front of that board when those balls come out, and to me that the whole. The, the creation of the balls to mm-hmm. the dropping of the balls to him using them and, and plugging in all that information and starting that whole, like, like he's like conducting an opera right, and, yes. and looking back and forth um, to me, really, I thought, cause that's like literally like the second scene basically is like, he's walking up the, th- up the stairs past the pregnant woman and he gets to the top of the staircase and he starts that. Right. And that's yeah. just after the, the, that cold open of the murder scene to me, that was very impactful and it really set, the stage for the rest of the movie. It gave you a really clear idea of, of what this movie was about and where we're going and what we're talking about. Right. Um, I, that to me was like, just set the tone for the entire movie. I, I would have to say, God, do we have the favorite running scenes or is that later? That's later. Okay. Yeah. So my, fa- <laughs> my, my other favorite scene was when he was hanging on the cars. 
Okay. All right. Like that, that was like, I was so tense. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I, I know he's not going to fall. And I always fall for it. Right. I'm always like, oh my God, he's going to fall. No. <laughs> and so, so well, that would be my, I would have to say that would be my, my second favorite. Scene. And and knowing Tom Cruise, he really was hanging from something because yes, he that's, was. You that's know what it. he, cause he's nuts like that. And I got to appreciate it. He's a All right. Uh, <laughs> Amber favorite scene. Um, I love the escape in the mall. I love yes. when yeah. um, Agatha is like in the now she's like, is it now? Is it now? And yes. She is five seconds ahead of everything that's going to happen. Yes. And all of those pieces of that Don't escape move. scene. Don't I move. just, yeah. Yeah. Wait for it. Wait, wait, for, wait, the balloons. wait for the balloons. Yep. I yes. love that so much. And then at the end, when he opens up the umbrella, like it's yes. just a great that's one, yeah, That's one of the first things she says is grab the umbrella, grab the umbrella. And you're like, what the hell is he grabbing? And then it's like, she knows. Yeah. And then she stops the one woman goes, don't go home. He knows. Yes. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so, I mean, yeah. yes. And oh, that was a good scene. Yeah, absolutely. Everything about it uh, is fantastic. Even when she says, you know, drop some change for the homeless guy. So just so they'll trip over him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. All the way from the very beginning. Uh, yeah, I, that's actually my choice too. So that was, it's a fantastic scene. My, my runner up was the, which this, the scene that Amber hates with the eye doctor, and, <laughs> and his assistant, <laughs> the assistant with the giant thing. mole. I don't know. I mean, if I had to choose between the two, I definitely think that that is, is the definitive runner up because the mall scene was oh, yeah. phenomenally timed. It was like, oh, a, it's, it's like a living yes. Rube Goldberg machine. It, yeah. It's a whole different kind of chase scene. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's, oh, 100%. It's, it's fabulous. Fabulous. All well, right. And yeah. Here's the difference between me and I think you guys, my runner up was, um, I love the scene at Laura's house when Agatha gives them Sean's future. Oh yes. I know. At, oh, like yeah. literally ball every time. No, like, no, you're right. That's a great scene. Such it really a is beautifully written, beautifully acted, like just this lovely, version of what could have been yeah and it's so sad but it's so beautiful i absolutely adore it yeah and like you know he runs he runs fast just like his dad yeah, yeah. i know you're right no that's a, that's a great one too see and yeah this movie is just so Very many well so many goods yeah so many goods okay uh john favorite character Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm very obvious with this one. It's Tom Cruise. One hundred percent. I I I I mean, I realize that he's the lead role. Doesn't matter who's playing him. But I thought he did that character well. Yeah. Um. And I and I thought he played it very well. Um. I I didn't like I didn't like Colin Farrell's. But I don't think we were supposed to like Colin Farrell's character. Right. No, you're not supposed to like him. Um, and the only other guy that I kind of I mean that I kind of grooved with was the uh, the tech. For the for the precogs, so he's I, creepy. I, I, oh, he's creepy such man. A Chester the molester. Oh my god! <laughs> he was, I think he genuinely though cared for them. You oh, know I think what he does too. But with that, that creepy, creepy way. Scent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You're getting to know the inside me now. <laughs> <laughs> What's no, like, I just thought it was it was an interesting character, right? I mean, well, no, you're how, wrong. you're not yes. wrong. You're yes. not wrong. You know, he looks up. He goes, "I like you, Chief. You've always been nice to me. That's why I'm going to give you a minute before I hit the alarm." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah all right really he's still good. still creepy though no, all right Amber, <laughs> favorite character um i remember seeing this for the first time and loving uh anderton's wife 
Yes. Oh, and yeah. I had yeah. never seen that actress before that I know of. Um, and she was spectacular. Her character was really interesting. Yes. She didn't have a lot of scenes, but the ones she was in, she was very commanding in and built their connection and their relationship in a very realistic way. Yeah. Um, and had a lot of good things to do. Oh yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, to propel the story forward. So um, I, I really liked her. Yeah. Um, she's probably best known for her role on a uh, cold case. Yes. Yeah. She had blonde hair on that series, but yes. Oh, that's who that was. Yep. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. She, uh, she definitely makes the best use of every scene she's in. So agreed. Yeah. Um, my favorite character is actually Agatha. Um, oh yeah. Her, her, just her range of emotions we get with her, um, and the short, cause she's, she's, she's only in like about honestly in half the movie. If you mm-hmm. think about it, um, she doesn't really get to be her until he, he breaks her out, but, uh, well, and she's very traumatized once he does yes. rescue her. So yes. You get these flashes of who she really is. Right. And, you know, like you mentioned the, uh, the story when, you know, about the, the son, um, his, his future, what it would have been and how they have these conversations and she's trying to convince him, you know, don't go into the building, don't go into that room. You know, she's doing everything she can to convince him. She's like, he's like, I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not going to kill this guy. And then when the gun goes off and she screams and, and then later, um, but I love that moment right before the gun goes off when she's standing there and she just whispers, you can still choose. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. It's Samantha, so beautiful. Yeah. Samantha Morton just was amazing in that, in that role. And she's, um, she's the m- most interesting, I think, character out of everybody. Although, uh, the founding mother of, of pre-crime and her plants and all of her stuff, she was, she was an interesting woman too, but, uh, yes. um, talk about creepy anyway <laughs> right yeah but no agatha's but my favorite i have to i yeah i she's she's a very cool character i mean like it really and it changes i think um uh tom's character when when they are together like yeah. i think he starts seeing things with wider eyes yeah like he's like oh shoot like this is okay yeah like, this is not what i thought it was yeah okay so real quick uh we have a cameo alert in this movie what cameos because uh, there's always a you know an important cameo the man on the train reading the newspaper and sees anderton who is he do you know cameron i do Crow. that's right what and sitting right behind him people? is cameron diaz that's right and what? why were they in this movie i have no clue they i didn't just even did notice eyes that. Wide shut no, so they, they just did vanilla, no, vanilla, vanilla Sky. Sky. Vanilla Sky. The Ugh. worst Cameron Crowe movie ever friggin' made. That was Ugh. terrible. I, I love I was Cameron. like, well, I was all excited. The problem excited. is, is that mm. the original is amazing. I have not seen the original. I've never so, seen that you watch one. the original, yeah. it is really like an interesting, compelling, super cool story. And then I don't know what happened when they... I mean, how many different times can you turn the lights on to be surprised? I just, <laughs> it was just like over and over and over again. Oh, look at that. Look at that. There they are. Yeah. See, right. Oh my God. I don't God. even care. I don't even care. And anyway. then somebody else is in that scene, but you can't really see him. Those are the only two I'm familiar with. So. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Right. And I love, don't, please don't misunderstand. I love Cameron Crowe. I absolutely love most of his work. I just. You like I, him a lot more than I do. I'm surprised I, that you didn't like Vanilla Sky. No, I, I love Cameron Crowe. It literally, um, some say anything is one of my favorite movies of all time. And Almost Famous is wow. friggin' perfect. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to move on 
<laughs> before it becomes a Cameron Crowe podcast. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to move on to War of the Worlds. Uh, Amber, uh, the most gifted of the three, has prepared a bit of history on H.G. Uh, Wells. So I'm going to try to keep this at a manageable level because he lived an extraordinary life um, and a very nice long life. He, he didn't die till he was 79. So nice. he, he lived from 1866 to 19, what, 46. I mean, just this nice long life. Imagine all of the things that he saw just in his lifetime, let alone this imagination that um, yeah, unfortunately, made him never the got to father see- of science fiction. Right. Never got to see um, his movies or his stories right? with the screen and stuff like that, unfortunately. Oh, well. But uh, so his name is Herbert George Wells, known as H.G. Wells. Um, he was born in England on September 21st, 1866. His parents, it's a very like Downton Abbey Dickens kind of early life. His parents were domestic servants oh. uh, turned shopkeepers and the shopkeeping thing did not work out um, very well for them. They were under constant um, financial struggle. Uh, so Wells had a poor initial education, but a broken leg developed an obsessive love of reading because he was just trapped in bed for, you know, weeks right. and, um, his dad would just bring him books to keep him occupied. And so that really made up for, you know, the poor education, formal education that he received, um, when he was young. Well, then when he was 14 from the ages 14 to 18, the family was in such terrible economic straits that they sent him off to be an apprentice um, first to a draper, which is like a person who sells like cloth. Okay. Um, and then to a chemist. So, you know, he's like in, a little indentured servant in these <laughs> shops, like, yep. you know, had to live in a dormitory. He was treated terribly, um, not fed very well. He was, you know, hungry all the time. Um, but when he was 18, he won a scholarship to study biology and um, eventually graduated London University and became a science teacher. Oh, so wow. his nice. first two publications were textbooks. I know. And, That's cool. Yeah. And then um, in a six year stretch from 1895 to 1901, he wrote The Time Machine. The Island of Dr. Moreau, The Invisible Man, The War of the Worlds, and The First Men in the Moon. Wow. Oh, my God. Just <laughs> one right after it. Um, Let me write some old-time classic favorites. Like, boom. Right. <laughs> and what I loved was that he developed what he referred to as Wells' Law which stated that a science fiction story should contain only a single extraordinary assumption and everything surrounding that should be human and real. No. Oh, okay. Good so, idea. and I just <laughs> think that's like amazing. Just absolutely. Amazing. And it, yeah. Yeah. And really separates him from Jules Verne, who was more about the mechanics. Um, right. And this is more just one extraordinary idea. Um, and he predicted such technologies as wireless communication, audiobooks, airplanes, television, and lasers. Nice. In addition to, you know, time travel, invisibility, 
you know, <laughs> genetic oh manipulation. <laughs> and then, you know, his experiences, you know, witnessing the First World War um, and studying under um, a contemporary of Charles Darwin's, his later writings focused more on nonfiction, social commentary and politics. And he was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Literature four different times. Wow. Gosh. I didn't and this know is that either. After the science fiction, he ultimately wrote <laughs> 50 books. Good and Lord. Dozens of short stories and articles. And he considered himself, you know, later in his career as more of a journalist and a oh. humanist. Huh. And, you know, just looking at questions of utopia and you know, how to progress as a society without destroying ourselves and just all these big, big, big questions. And so then a couple of, I just wanted to end with a couple little like fun facts that um, just tickled me when I read them. Mm -hmm. um, he has impact craters on Mars and the moon named after him. Wow. Um, his great grandson is a director named Simon Wells. And he was a consultant on the future scenes in Back to the Future Part Two. Oh, really? Oh, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's funny. Isn't oh, that awesome? That is and then the awesome. final thing that I just think this is the greatest thing ever. In one of his later writings, um, he said that he wanted his epitaph to be, quote, I told you so, you damn fools. <laughs> <laughs> That's on point. That's amazing. But he had, I mean, this is like a little teeny tiny, as much as I could condense down for this podcast. Like no. he is really worth a deep dive into the HG Wells Society has a great website. Um, there's just all kinds of fascinating information about him. He really led just an extraordinary life. Wow. All right. Thank you, Amber. Looks like the power's still on here. Yeah, the power's still on because nothing bad has come out of the ground yet. Eight thirty? You said eight o'clock. Pull it up. Get a hug. Robbie's got a paper which he's yet to begin. I just gotta type it up. You just gotta start writing at first. Take care of our kids. You got nothing to worry about. That is so weird. The wind is blowing toward the storm. It's okay. Lightning doesn't strike twice. Where's the thunder? Robbie, you saw the lightning? Yeah, 26 times on Lincoln Avenue. You hear that?
They've been planning this for a million years. These are only the first. They'll keep coming. Am I ever going to see Mom again in my life? Where's my son? I know you want to fight. I know it seems like you have to, but you don't. You don't. This is not a war. This is an extermination. All right. Facts about War of the Worlds. Released June 29th, 2005 from Paramount Pictures, Amblin Entertainment, and DreamWorks Pictures. That sounds familiar. Uh, written by Josh Friedman, who also wrote uh, Black Dahlia, Terminator, Dark Fate. Uh, David Cope, who also wrote uh, Death Becomes Her, Jurassic Park, and Mission Impossible. Along with Tom Cruise, you have Dakota Fanning. Miranda Otto, the most beautiful woman in the in Middle Earth, uh, Tim Robbins, and of course Morgan Freeman as the narrator. The uh, music once again was by John Williams, not you, John. Uh, Runtime of one hour and fifty six minutes, a budget of one hundred and thirty two million, and would go on to hit six hundred and three million dollars in the box office. So, so they made a couple of dollars. Yeah, well, that's that's a big <laughs> increase. You know, one hundred thirty two. Uh-huh. That's pretty a lot of shekels that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so amber uh when and where did you see this one okay so i am so excited to talk about this because (laughs) well i'm glad i no, i love you for making this your spielberg episode because at first i was like i don't know because i had no interest in seeing this movie when it came out I love the original War of the Worlds. And when they did the remake, I was like, oh, who even cares? And so I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on, I don't know, DVD, HBO, who knows, whenever it was released and absolutely hated it. I, wow, I am not a person who has ever watched anything related to 9-11. I've never watched any movies. I no documentaries like i lived it and i am not interested in talking about it or watching it or being involved in it right and so watching this movie it was spielberg's 9-11 movie and that's all i saw the first time i watched it and it just i hated the tripods i hated the all, all of it i didn't care that it was the same as the story i did not care. I hated everything about this movie and never watched it again. Well, so okay. it's been what? <laughs> really? 15 years? Well, yeah, almost 20 actually. If you, yeah. 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 And have not even watched it once since the first time I watched it. Okay. And so I'm like, uh, I'm well, shocked. I can only, I, and the only thing I remembered about it, I remembered the opening because it was like, I mean, I don't mean to sound melodramatic. Like it was traumatic to watch. Okay. Like, you know, it just was. And um, so I remembered the opening. I remembered um, the scene with Tim Robbins. Cause that just upset the hell out of me. Oh my God. And then I remember yeah, we're, we're going to talk very, about that end. scene. Yes, we are. I remember the very end. And that was all I remembered about the movie. Okay. So I was like, okay, you know, you hate it. Just buckle up, watch it. <laughs> You know, and so I can answer these questions and talk about this movie. And holy shit, I <laughs> loved it. I had so much fun watching it. It Good. was like 
Absolutely. I want to count this as a victory. Holy yes, shit. Mark should. this date like... on the calendar. I think I'm done. That's it. Everybody, I'm going home. End podcast. <laughs> this is our last episode, everybody. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, kidding. But seriously, I had the best time watching it. It was an absolute adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. And um like could not wait to like to talk about it. So I can't like be as specific as minority report because I haven't seen it as many times. Oh, that's, but that's fine. I, like, I, actually... I am ready to like just go on it because I had so much fun. All right. All right. Well I I'm super thrilled actually. That's that a, a little tear comes to my eye. Oh, <laughs> all right, John went in where did you see this? Um so here Here's a little backstory. June of 2005 is when I found out that I was going to work at Walt Disney World. Um, okay. I did not. I definitely did not. This is when I earned the moniker um, Disney John. Um, I, I honestly don't remember when I first saw it. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, did I watch it when I was down at Disney? No, I don't think so. I was going to the parks all the time, so it had to have been after I was back, right? So I probably watched it a year after it had come out, right. and I more than likely watched it with my family. Um, I remember like as soon as i started watching the film like oh god i remember this film like i mean it was instantaneous it brought it drew it right back to the forefront of my brain i was like oh okay i remember this oh this was good this was good and i watched with a bit more detail this time um but i i I couldn't tell you where or when i had i had seen it but i know it was definitively not that summer um i can tell you that i rented it as soon as it hit um you know blockbuster because i'm pretty sure because i lived literally across the street from a blockbuster for about uh six seven years and so i watched it i rented it and watched it at home and because i am a fan of the original and so i was oh thank goodness i was so afraid you're no, gonna say you didn't no, like it no i uh i i well i own a copy and it was one of those things that there's i have issues with it but overall it's just it's a fun movie so mm-hmm. I like what I liked. I was looking forward to Spielberg's take on it. And that's exactly yes. why I uh, was excited for it enough. So, yes. It's okay. You're fine. He hid right behind our house. Yeah, well, it's, it's not going to hit there again. Okay? Because lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. Oh, shit! Where's Robbie? Is Robbie okay? Are you okay? Where's the thunder? How did it stop? All right. Well, cool. I'm I'm still kind of giddy that your opinion of the movies changed, Amber. Yeah, just, me too. And I that, that's awesome. Okay, so with all that being said, let's get into uh, some likes. Amber, what you got for us? Um. Well, I love Morgan Freeman's like bookend narration. Well, how can you like, not? I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> like it was really just a great way to begin and end with the actual words from the story. Right. Um. You know, of course, it's Morgan Freeman, so that always helps. Yeah. Um, and I loved, um, that there's a lot of the story that is told through like inferences. Mm -hmm. So you're not, it's like, you're living it. It's very first person. So Mm -hmm. you're not really getting all the information. So like the thing that comes to mind is the scene where, um, 
I think it's before they get on the um, ferry, right. like a train goes across right? Yes. and you have no idea like where it came from or where it's going, but it's on fire. <laughs> right. And, you know, that's just, I don't know. You're just in the middle of everything and you can kind of figure out and put some pieces together. You know, the scene at the riverbank with the bodies in the river, like mm-hmm. right. all those different moments where you know, something happened. It wasn't good, <laughs> right. but you know, and like it, the, when the plane crashed, like it took a while to figure out what exactly yeah, what's was going happening, on. Mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, so, you know, was it shot out of the sky? Was it the EMP pulse? Like, you know, what? See, I, cause I think after watching it again, I think it was the, cause the flashes were the same as the lightning, but I think what happened was that basically, you know, it shot, it fell down because it lost all its power. That's my, that's what I assume happened. You know, I'm just wondering where everybody was because <laughs> there were no right. bodies, but I'm pretty yes. sure <laughs> I mean, that would have been a gruesome scene had they yes. left the bodies. So I'm like, okay, never mind. But yeah, you know, that I think might that's have been your first hint that they were sucking them up into the tripod. Right. That's true. That's true too. That's oh, true. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Um, and I liked how the whole, invasion was kind of introduced like it was a weather phenomenon yes which the t- yeah right yeah you know the midwestern joke yeah. like the minute it starts lightning like i'm on the porch going "Ooh, what's going on what's right going yeah, on? oh i know yeah that's my wife too mandy would have been out there hey look at that right yep, mm-hmm. absolutely i know i agree um, you know and and it starts out as something that's kind of like exciting and fun right. you know it doesn't start out terrifying um so so yeah, I mean that's like I said, I'm not I'm that's not fine, on no. my game because I'm still like so full of like the adrenaline of watching it <laughs> kind of for the first time. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, John likes his Mustang. <laughs> Hands down his Mustang. <laughs> I mean, like I, I will thought not that pull scene punches. was so stupid when he went like sliding into the driveway. They're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I don't care. It's his Mustang. God, it was gorgeous. <laughs> I loved that Mustang. Um, <laughs> other things that I liked. Um I, yeah, I'm with you, Morgan Freeman, the modern day James Earl Jones. He is, uh, he could whisper in my ears all the time. It's, it's fine. He's, he's, it's good. I'm, I'm telling your wife. That's okay. <laughs> I'll be the first one to tell her. Like, I, like his voice is just, it's, it's good. Um, I, I, I like some of the character development that happened in this, which is really weird to say because it does cover such a short time span. Right. Um, and I, this is probably something that we'll talk about later, but like Robbie's transition to wanting to fight. Like, I mean, he's kind of a teen, but like he, I mean, this kid goes from what the heck's going on, dad? I'm an asshole punk kid to, I want to go fight dad. Let's go do this thing. Right. I'm just, and, and I found that to be, that was also a dislike of mine to be perfectly honest. Cause I thought his, I thought the character development was also forced down your throat through a lot of this. See so. with, with Robbie, I think I look at it a little different. Okay. Um, he was more of a father to Rachel than ray ever was and uh, so i think he's acting up because he he does not like his dad yeah 100 percent. so i think i i don't because to me um a lot of people get a fight or flight mentality when things happen um ray wants yeah. to run because he's trying yes, to save his does. family and uh but and robbie robbie wants to he wants to do okay. something about it. he wants to fight so that's why i looked at that well and i think that, that was also simmering for a while too because oh, yeah. this is 2005 yeah. and they throw you know out like 
the nine eleven thing is not all my projection. Like it is. No, no, you're right. That's why he's covered in. That's why he's covered Um, in ash after that. Yeah, that was on purpose. Well, and like Dakota Fanning says, like, is it the terrorists? You know. So yeah, Rob. Yeah, he goes no. (laughs) Sorry, he goes no, Robbie, not from Europe. I'm sorry, (laughs) my line like he laughs so hard. But Uh, um, so I think that Robbie's been like percolating for a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's already been attacked, and he was completely helpless you know to watch this happen and now we're under attack again and he's older right okay yeah no and that and that helps me digest that better because looking at it from that point of view definitely makes more sense like he would be the the father figure so he feels more of a right for protection and and has that that fight response Well, and he also doesn't have that biological imperative of staying with dakota Mm -hmm. fanning Right. And making sure she's okay that Tom Cruise has, even though he's been a shit father. Like oh, you yeah. still have that biological imperative. Right. One of my very first Robbie things doesn't that you can't read. <laughs> one of the very first things that I wrote was he's a terrible dad. Literally. Yes. It's one of my notes is he's just a terrible dad. I spent um, a lot of time wondering, like, I think they only see him like once every like two months. Oh, they I'm must th- because yeah. it was bad. Yeah. Like this is not an every weekend kind of situation. This no. is like when Miranda Otto has something going on that she absolutely can't. Yeah. It's like, like you're the last ditch effort father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, and then he, and that's the thing. Yes. He is not a good, he's not a good dad, but nope. the fact that he doesn't know his own daughter is allergic to peanut butter is another clue. Um, but yes. I, I, I do think that he does love them and he yes. does. You can see that he does not want his son to, you know, he's like that whole situation where he's like, I want to go see it. I need to see it. Let me go. He's like, I can't, but he has to, he's having to choose between his grown son yes. and his daughter, who's about ready to be taken by strangers. Cause they're trying to do the right thing and take this girl that's by herself. So, and then that's, well, and I think also it's a question of like, I think he knows they're all three going to die and <laughs> he doesn't want yeah. her to see it. But yeah. Okay. Okay. And, Robbie has a chance to save himself. Dakota Fanning does not have a chance to no. save herself. No, no, she will not survive if he doesn't protect her. Yeah, and uh, she. So will... many things happen in that like one minute. Oh yeah, yes. I know. Well, and even earlier, um, when he was trying to join the army, uh, she's like, "If you leave, who's going to take care of me?" And like mm-hmm. basically, just like you know, just in 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 uh, like dad's not going to do it. Yeah, right. and Ray's standing there while they're hugging, and you can kind of see there's that realization in his face, working like, "Oh my god, you know, I really have been." He, he's well, we'll get. But I think to that's it, the anyway. point. I think that's the point though that he switches yes on to super dad. Like I think that's the moment that he realizes, like, God, I've been a crappy dad. Yes, like you know, I mean, like I've been very so. I I do believe that he comes full circle. Like I think he just he makes a 180, and he's like okay, I've got to be the best dad I can be because I don't know if I'm ever going to see my ex-wife again or my son again or so. Okay, this is it. Here we go. Right. Sorry. I know we're so far ahead, but the, no, no, that's okay. what, what, what the other, movie does to me. I know, right? All right. What other likes you got, John? Um. So so my other likes is going to be part of my favorite scene. So we'll, cut, we'll talk about right. that later. That's fine. Sounds good. All right. So one of the things I want, there's a few things I want to mention for sure. Um. I, I really enjoyed the realism in everybody's reactions to the situations are involved in. Yes. Um, of course, like you'd already mentioned, you know, there's lightning. Let's go out and look at it. Cause you know, everybody's going to do it. Um, yep. When, uh, when at the beginning, when they're walking to go where the lightning struck, 
they're having that conversation. The guy's like, oh, it was solar flares. It was this. And and the misinformation when they're walking towards the ferry, oh, I heard Europe got it worse. And then somebody else mm-hmm. is saying, oh, Europe didn't have anything. It's all in South. It's like, there's, they're all the misinformation, which unfortunately in recent years is, this is way more timely than it was in 2005, you know, now that it was, so, but I, I believe all those reactions. I, I, the, the situation where they, where they steal the van, um, by a gunpoint, I yep. believe that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he even sets it up. Like I'm staying off the interstate. Cause I don't want people to see that we have a, a working car yep. because he knows somebody's going to try and take it. Um, yep. and so I, I love the writing and putting that in those, all the characters that comes across that, cause it makes it feel very real. So I love that. Um, we already mentioned the ash when people get vaporized, which, mm-hmm. um, is so much better. I like, like how, the living material disappe- disappears, but yet the yes. call the clothes stay there. I think that's just yes. The image awesome. of the clothes. There's another image later on where it's falling from the sky. Yes, yes, yes I know. Just oh, so many good things. Um, we already talked about I, the. Oh, you know, I'm going to jump in here because this follows a train of thought. I don't think this is a science fiction movie. I think this is a straight up horror movie. Okay, I will accept mm. that. I will accept yeah. that. Like that was totally yeah. my reaction. When it was over, I was like, just the amount of adrenaline that I felt. And, you know, I was terrified, straight up terrified in different scenes. And I'm like, this is a horror movie like Jaws. This is not. It's like aliens, but on Earth. Yes. Yeah. All right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't disagree with that. No, I I, I see that, too. I see that, too. Um, So we already mentioned the dysfunctional family, so I'll skip over that. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> there there are Although just I love the playing catch scene. Yes. <laughs> that is such a powerful like yes. male like I don't oh God, know. Yes. Yeah. Pissing just contest. Aggression. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, it was. When it was. he first throws that zinger at him and hurts his hand, I'm like, yep. I, I mean, I reacted like viscerally to it. Like yeah. This is going to go bad really quick. Yes. <laughs> and it did. He broke his own window. Um, so there are so many amazing, quote unquote, Spielberg shots in this movie. Okay. There are so many signature shots that it gives me all the feels. Okay. So um, one in particular, uh, when the, um, well, we just talked about the scene where Robbie leaves and uh, there's that giant explosion and the tripod yep. is coming up over the hill, completely engulfed in flames. I'm like, that's a Spielberg shot. I mean, all you have to do is show that to somebody who knows anything about Spielberg goes, oh, Spielberg directed that because you'd show him. Um, you get that when the thing, when the tripod comes out of the water uh, next to the ferry, you get it. Um, and even at the beginning, when the first one pops up, he does it in little bits you never completely see it it's either covered by smoke or it's just the legs or whatever um and then yeah he just there's so many oh just like i said spielberg moments in this movie and i just so would you count the train and the jeep that comes burning back up over the top of the hill as spielberg moments or not as much because i when i the best way to describe it is um at the end of jurassic park when the velociraptors are attacking the t-rex and the flag falls down you know when dinosaurs yeah. rule the world okay. that's a spielberg gotcha. shot okay i got you so yeah. yep those are those are signature totally spielberg. understand that so, now okay so okay. that's what i'm saying okay and i do like i know uh 
Amber and I both are familiar with the book. I do like how this is way more faithful to the source material than the uh, 1950s uh, movie was. The tripods, the uh, the fact that they feed on humans, uh, the red weed, all that stuff. Um, and even we'll get to the Tim Robbins scene, which was basically uh, two separate characters combined into one uh, for the movie. But And I also really liked the use of birds in the movie. Um, especially like right before they get to the ferry and Rachel's watching the birds fly and her eye is drawn over to the tripod coming through the woods. You yep. know, she says the trees are moving and there it is. And then yeah, later, and of course, I feel like that's a Spielberg moment where yes. he gives you a warning. Yes. Like mm, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, but here it comes. <laughs> here it <It's> comes. Coming. <laughs> yeah. And of course, then the, the birds at the end uh, on one of the tripods, which of course is also uh, taken directly from the book, but I like the different things, the different details he made sure to put into the movie and it's, and it's just a fun movie. So, um, all right. Uh, any other, uh, any other big ones we want to talk about? Any other likes we have that you want to mention before we move on to uh, any dislikes? One, I, Tom Cruise's Tom Cruise's reaction as Ray when he is running away from the first tripod, like yes. like the complete like I realize that we're talking <laughs> about running scenes later, but like but that scene where he he just doesn't handle it well, he no. is flipping his lid like I think any one of us would when something like that has happened, right? I I really thought that was a very viscerally authentic scene. Yeah. Of of him running away and everything and all the destruction and chaos that's going on around him, I I, I have to put that in as one of my favorites. So mentioning that um, that sequence, there's both my one of my favorite and least favorite things that happen in that sequence. Oh, yeah. uh, there's the guy with that. the camcorder. Yep. And <laughs> and and he he gets zapped and he drop and he drops it and then you get to see it through the monitor, which is a yes. very very cool yes. idea. Yes. And then I'm like. But his camera shouldn't be working because of the EMP. So how is this happening? And that so that takes me out of it every single time. Like, where did this dude come from that his camera's still working? <laughs> and that's why I don't mind those so much because I don't. I, I know, so I, but that's actually that was my very first reaction when I watched this movie was how is his camera still working? It should. I mean, it's a cool shot. It really is a very cool shot, and I, I watch those it. movies like that. But that would have. Really? I see. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. But I, I didn't I think about that. But I had a hard time with the van because they throw out some. Because I don't know anything about cars. Solenoid. Turn the key and have it work. It was a solenoid. <laughs> a solenoid. He was right. Check the solenoid. Yeah. Well, so they throw that out, and I'm like, oh, well, whatever that magic thing is, that apparently makes it work. Well, and you know what? Um, it's one of those things that, if we're willing to accept the aliens coming down, then maybe we shouldn't. Right question everything else so much but anyway yeah don't quibble <laughs> but now that you said that now it's gonna take me out of the movie every time i see that now he could have kept it in a hardened cabinet in his house we don't know we don't know it could have been, a, it could have been in his safe that's right I, but that, you know in a tribute to steven spielberg's early beginnings like wouldn't it have been cool if it was a super eight camera yeah, okay yes that would have been <laughs> Of that course, we couldn't, a neat moment. we couldn't have seen it until they developed the picture, developed right. film, but whatever. Anyway, it's a very, it's a very cool shot, but it really is. Yeah. It's a very cool shot. But anyway, I want to know everything, you know, 
This thing, this machine, it crawled out of the ground, started torturing everything. It's killing everybody. What is it? Is it terrorists? This came from someplace else. What do you mean, like Europe? No, Robbie, not like Europe! Okay, so let's move on to dislikes. Amber. Um, I mean, I said it before. Like, I still will probably not watch this movie very often um, mm-hmm. just because it's too much 9-11 for me. It's too much, you know, just reliving something that I don't want to relive. And, um, you know, it's done really well. But, um, you know, I... I wonder what it is about my psyche that watching the original film of War of the Worlds, you know, that was their vision of what an attack would be. It's very subversive. It starts very slow. And, you know, you kind of think they're friends and then all of a sudden, you know, they vaporize you, Um, (laughs) you know, and that was, you know, what they thought communism was, you know, it it comes in very slow and you think, Oh, maybe they're okay. And then, you know, they blow everything up. So that is okay to me. But this attack where they're already here and, you know, it's a normal day and, you know, it's very real, but it's just, it's too upsetting for me. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. John dislikes the the ending. I wanted a, a montage. I wanted just something to, give me a little warm hug at the end, you know, just, just something. And I didn't feel it. Well, it wasn't enough that the whole family lived. I was going to say, you, you got to, you I just really got to a see, hug. You got a hug. I, I, well, yeah. But I wanted to see more. I wanted to see, I, like, I'm always, so I, I'm never satisfied. Like if you've ever watched falling skies on television, I've always wanted like that extra season that just shows me like the, the beginning of the recuperation. <laughs> and, and, and to me, I like to me without having that, I always feel a bit unsatisfied so like honestly that would be my one thing is that i just wanted a little montage like saying like oh look five years later i mean it could be not even a montage it could be just like a a three minute epilogue oh, like, like five years later deep impact where you see um morgan freeman makes that great speech and you see the rebuild in the <laughs> right capital yes, behind yes. Him. A, a, like genuinely exactly something right. like that well, you could take it up with HG Wells because that's pretty much how the book ended too <laughs> so i didn't like that part of the ending where the military had to like finish them off. Like I love in the original movie where they just, you know, get the flu, they cough a couple times and they die. Yeah. Well, I think it was one of the things, well, we did, but I think ultimately what it comes down to is, um, I think it was his way of saying, um, well, we're going to take the shot we can because you know they've been kicking our ass now for a few days <laughs> we're just right we gotta have a win <laughs> yeah it's frustrating it's frustration well, coming and out on the so flip side of that i freaking love the scene where uh the grenade goes off inside oh yes tripod. yes yeah mm-hmm. that, that was really cool because he comes he comes back out and spits the key you know the pins into his mouth i'm like that's yeah. cool so, yeah, and the right. army or the military guys they're like everybody down like, <laughs> yeah, right? realize what happened it's, I'm starting to think, why didn't the military guy do that? You know, slacker. Right. Anyway, well, he didn't um, have the grenades. Uh, well, that's true too. Um, okay, so my only real dislike, and I feel bad about saying this, is is the scene with Tim Robbins, because I love <gasps> Tim Robbins. Really? And, okay, let me explain why. I have reasons. Okay, yeah, I want to hear okay. this. So um, Amber knows in in the in the book there's a sequence where the main character is hiding 
in a basement of sorts with a religious man who's going off his rocker and he's eating the food, he's drinking all the stuff and um, and basically whining and crying the whole time. And eventually our hero in the book kind of knocks him unconscious and then he becomes a victim of the tripods. And then later he meets um, an artillery, an artillery guy who is digging underground and hiding underground because he wants to connect to the sewer. And he has this whole, you know, massive plan to, you know, come up from out of the ground and and take over. So they combine those two characters and those two uh, sections of the book into one character. Now, I love Tim Robbins and my biggest issue with this whole sequence was it just was too long and not in a way that told us how long he was there because we really don't know how many days they were hiding. It had at least been a a few, but, um, Oh, I thought it was like hours. No, that's what I, I got the impression of hours as well. No, because they kept going to sleep. They kept laying back down to go back to sleep. So I'm, my whole thing is I'm thinking it had to be at least a couple of days. Because um, a lot, because when he goes into the house, um, all the red vines are not there yet. And then he goes out, he goes, he's walking around and all the red vines have now grown into the basement. So it had to have been at least a few days for that stuff to spread. And then, of course, when he goes out, eventually it's all covered and, you know, and horrific looking. Um, And... My biggest issue, I guess, is Tim Robbins came off a little too creepy and unhinged, which was he's supposed to be. I don't know. There was just I know he's supposed to show the uh, with Ray's decision to basically murder him to keep him quiet so they don't get killed. I do love the nod to the 50s movie with the tentacle camera thing coming in. Cause that's pulled right from the movie um, and a little bit from the book as well. Uh, I don't know. It just, that's like the only section of the, of the movie that I'm kind of like, just move it along. Just, just get to the point, you know, let's, let's, let's see where this is going. So that's my only complaint. I, I, I like parts of that sequence, but o- overall I'm just kind of like, you know, just move on. Just let's get, Let's get going. I mean, I would much, I would much rather had more interaction with other people or maybe even put them in the basement by themselves and having to deal with things without him. Um, or maybe they, somebody else, I don't know, just either way. I'm just not, I'm not a fan of that sequence. I won't just, I won't 100% disagree with you because, um, pacing in this movie was completely different than the minority report. And I felt like this was definitely one of the drag times, but because, I mean, I I will spoiler, um, this is one of my favorite scenes out of the entire movie (laughs) because because I'm sorry, Tim Robbins was creepy as fuck in that scene with that light light coming up underneath him. And I was just like, Oh my God, they found the crazy one. Right. Like the, the whole, I felt that the whole scene from beginning to end. And I, again, I'm with you, Amber. I thought it was hours, but I just assumed that that stuff grew fast. It's alien yes. tech. And, well, it, and it, it, just goes it does, fast, right? but to me, it had to have been at least a few days is my guess. But see, that's okay. what I'm saying. I felt like Tom Cruise dozed off for like a half an hour. Yeah. I, I don't, well, think she kept going to sleep too. Long. And he keeps calling him over. I don't know. To, to, to me, it, it, and that's my complaint. Nobody can tell me neither. None of us like can agree on the, on the time frame. So, yes. yeah. So that was. I think it's interesting. That was one of the scenes that stuck with me from my first viewing, and really, it was just the trauma of Tom Cruise choosing to murder this man. Like that was horrific to me when I first saw it. But that's and watching it this time, 
I agree with John, like that whole sequence, I was terrified. I was terrified when that thing, that camera thing was swooping around and they're trying to like sneak around this cellar and it's all nonverbal communication and you're afraid that Tim Robbins is going to do something completely crazy and get them all killed. And then you have the actual aliens come in. Yeah. And I mean, the whole thing to me, I was on the edge of my seat. I was mm-hmm. terrified. Well, and I in, can the, tell you, in like the best possible way. <laughs> I, I can tell you that if I was in a basement with my daughter and that and and what was Harlan Ogilvy was in the basement with me. <laughs> I would have done. I would have made the same decision that Tom Cruise did because my family comes before anybody else in a situation like that. Straight and up, that, like that, that's horrifying. Like and you that say seems- that, but the reality of having to kill a man. Oh yeah, no, I, like, I get that. Horrific. Yeah, is no, yeah, it's horrific. But I like me first, me and yeah. my family yeah. first. Yeah. Like any chance because that man was about to get my family killed. You're dead, man. Yeah. And yeah. I'm and I'm not disagreeing with that point either. To me, it just kind of felt like, you know, I don't know. Maybe you just wanted to be shorter and yeah, more interesting. Because I, I liked because the, being chased by an alien camera is not interesting. No, that was wow, no, it scared the shit out of me. That, that <laughs> was interesting. But my thing is it it leaves and then the little aliens come down, which are interesting, fine. Um, but then it comes it's like just I kind of wish he would come to that decision sooner because um, right. he was already, you know, he was already talking to his, to, you know, to Rachel saying, if you're something happens to your diet, your dad, I'll take yeah. care of you, which I'm just like, Oh my God. So yeah. it just, there is, um, there was a, there wasn't enough. I didn't know how long it took and it just felt like it took too long. And it, I mean, if there was a, if they were down there for weeks, okay, cool. You know, or whatever, but I don't know. Cause I, I'm getting the impression that, you know, Tim Robbins' character never slept anyway, which makes sense. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's you know, there's parts of it I like, but overall, I kind of felt like it's just a little bit too long. But that's just me. Not my blood. 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 Be quiet. Well, they drink us. Please. They drink us. They'll hear you. Then they spray us. Oh, my God, fertilizer. You gotta be quiet. Drink us and gonna come back down here. Pass out all the goddamn red wheat. Do you understand what I'm gonna have to do? I can't let my daughter die because of you. This tunnel will get us to the city. We'll have our own tunnels there, ready made. Stop Subway, it. see what I'm saying? We can hide a whole army down there. Stop we'll it. We'll go underground. Save the tax at night. You stop it! Yeah. <gasps> With the resistance, Ray, they can't occupy this country. Occupations always fail. This has taught us that a thousand times. Um, let's move on to favorites then. Uh, well, uh, favorite talked about mine. That's right. Well, (laughs) favorite scene with a tripod. Oh, with a tripod. Oh no. Same thing. That, oh, that doesn't count. That was not. Where's the tripod? tripod. The camera. Where do you think the camera? What? There's just a magical freaking long camera that just comes out of nowhere (laughs) and it shits out aliens that come in. Okay. I'll give you a favorite. How about the one? Oh, the fairy, Uh, the fairy. Yeah. All right. That's my, okay. All right. That's my answer too. Because yeah, I, I love because that. I think the sequence. scene where the yeah. lights come up underneath it, and you go, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, I mean, like, exactly. I mean, like, it's yeah. you're swim. Just like, yep. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, can swim. it tips <laughs> over the section where, of course, it tips, and then um, the Ray and his family are on the hood of that car, and the shot from inside the car where you see the water filling up, and you see them on the hood. I'm like, yeah, so cool. Yes, uh, w- that is just 
oh my god that's a great sequence all the way through mm-hmm. um because you think oh they're gonna get away they're gonna get away and nope even because even the the, yep. the the ship captain's like uh oh my god and i'm like yeah you're in trouble it was now. good when I, I, I like if i have to have the actual full tripod in the scene that would be it right, really right. because it was like really creepy cool where i mean like like amber said like wait they swim you know i mean like <laughs> it's like oh crap you know yeah and the swirling what yeah no it's yeah. just awesome oh so good just awesome. Okay. But I have to say also, I love the scene after the farmhouse when um, Tom Cruise and Dakota Fanning get put in that cage. Yeah. And because I feel like, you know, like John and I said, like, this has just been hours. Like, this whole thing takes place very quickly for me. Um, And so when they're in that cage, you sort of start to see how people could start to fight back. Like, we're mm-hmm. still reacting to information we're being given and right. you get this opportunity to process what's happening or going to happen to you and then react and you know with the you know he happened to have the grenades which worked out but um that whole scene of them like banding together and pulling him back out and right you know i just i i like that okay all right yeah i did too all right all right so uh so John argues his favorite Amber. Do you have another favorite scene that's not in the basement, or is that was yours too? Well, th- my favorite part of the basement scene, other than the fact that it was absolutely terrifying, was when they first get down there and they're reacting to. They believe they've just seen Robbie die, mm-hmm. right? And they're processing that, and he comforts her and he sings little deuce coop to her and right. i just thought <laughs> that was the dearest moment like it was just this beautiful little moment where he really becomes her father and i just thought that was great okay all right um so my favorite scene without the tripod is uh when they're actually well it's kind of there but you don't really see it uh when they steal the van and are driving away and the mm. the overpass is just exploding <gasps> behind them oh yes. and all the buildings next were exploding that's cool in of itself but then once he gets out onto the interstate and they're having that conversation of course you know and uh rachel freaks out we learn her whole arm thing and then robbie's yep. like tell me everything you know and what's so awesome about that is the camera like starts on one side and they have a conversation and then it's like, he's changing lanes. So the camera rotates around to the other side. No cut. I mean, I'm sure there's it's fancy digital, whatever, but it goes to the other side. And then they have another conversation and then it goes around to the front and they have another conversation. It's, it's in essence, a single shot, but um, it's so cool. It doesn't look like it's on a screen. It doesn't, it, but it moves next time. Watch it. It, it literally, it, yeah, it, goes, it pulls out and he's like, you know, changing lanes or whatever. And he comes back in, they continue the conversation and then it goes back out and moves around again. And then they continue the conversation. It's just so slick and so well done. And it doesn't look fake at all. And it looks fantastic. And it's just really, really slick. So I like that, that sequence there. It's, it's a, uh, it's fun to watch. Favorite characters, Amber. Um, well, once again, we have um, a wife that doesn't have a lot of things to do. Right. But Miranda Otto is just luminescent and yes. builds a relationship between her and Tom Cruise in a very short period of time with just a few glances and reactions to things that he says um, that shows you 
everything you need to know how how could she love this bum in the first place you know and what she wants for him what she's trying to achieve for him and the kids um you know that moment where he tells her you know pregnancy is a good look for you yeah. you know that was cute mm. um so i love the core family of course they're great but um i love those interactions i thought she brought a lot to the movie okay all right john favorite character um i liked rachel dakota fanning character okay. i i thought she did a really good job at her age at that time to display her sheer terror at the just unbelievably scary crap that was going on around her right i mean like she she's aware that robbie's the only protector for her and that her dad is a, like a total dirt bag um and i mean he can't help her he doesn't know about the circle thing he tries the circle thing later which i thought was dude you're trying too hard now and right, and, and, right. and even the kids were like no dad not now like like like, <laughs> like you know so but um i i i liked her reactions to everything i thought she, i like i mean because dakota fanning is always known for like that creepy little girl like i think during that time frame like she played in a lot of creepy little things during the time <laughs> and, and i thought during this one like she wasn't creepy she was like a, just a little girl being scared to death by the happenings around her right um so I, i'd have to say her and my close second would be tim robbins character because he was well and she was creepy. so age appropriate too because yes. she's like 10 11 years old right and she's not trying in the beginning to like oh, I'm the one that loves my dad and I'm trying to be the peacemaker or anything. She's moving into that preteen area of like, yeah, no, you're an asshole. Yeah. And yeah. she's she hasn't quite reached Robbie's level, but she's on her way. Well, she even uh, says she you're is. not going to reach him that way. She's, try, she's basically trying to, you know, tell her dad, you're doing this wrong. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're doing this wrong. So, yes. And I'm glad you put her, you chose her because she was on my list, but I changed my mind last minute. So, um, oh, so who'd you go with? I actually went with Ray and let me tell you why. Okay. Um, we all agree. He was not a good dad at the beginning of this nope. movie, not even close. Um, but here's the thing. We all know guys like Ray. Everybody mm -hmm. knows in his town knows Ray, his neighbors, the mechanic. Um, he even runs into Cheryl when they're trying to get on the yep. ferry, you know, um, he's one of those guys. That's everybody's friend. You know, he's probably a really good friend but he's a crappy husband and and not a good father. Um, he does try to do the right thing. Uh, he tries to save Manny. He says, Manny, get in the van, get in the van. Mm -hmm. He knows what's coming. He's getting the van. He tries to save Cheryl. So he does, there is a good side to him. And it wasn't until aliens attack that he went from being a 17 year old high school student to being an actual dad. And yeah. so his, his story arc, his character arc is interesting and um you can see he's relatable you can see the fear in his eyes when he's mm -hmm. seeing with everything's going on and i'm like going yep that would have been me you know <laughs> get back to the house and sitting there and freaking out because like what did i just see so yeah yeah i i like him for that reason um and i i think it was fun uh to watch everything that he did wrong and everything he was trying to do right so, and then yeah. deciding, you know, and like, and like I said, eventually he, he, everything was about, at first he was just trying to get his kids back to his wife, but then it became. Yeah. I love when Robbie calls him yeah. out when the first yes. army convoy goes past and he said, yep. yes. you're just trying to get us back to mom so that you don't have to worry about us anymore. Yep. You can worry about yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which and is a hundred percent true. Yes. Oh, and, yeah. then it, and then I, and then we saw that. I think that, that was, changes. Our, yeah. And then like when the guy pulls the gun, he's trying to get his, trying to get Rachel oh. out of the car and trying to get Robbie off the ground. And mm-hmm. so I think the switch went off right there that yep. I, you know, he had to be better. So, yeah. but yeah, so he was right. almost my favorite. Like I almost put him down, but I was like, no, I put Tom as my last one. So I couldn't go to, <laughs> I right. could go two Toms in a row. Right. Right. Okay. So we have another cameo alert. Uh, the grandparents at the very end. Do we know who they are? Amber shaking your head. Yes. yes. I have no it- clue. It's the main characters from the original War of the Worlds. That's it's right. You have uh, Anne Robinson and Jean Barry, who played Sylvia Van Buren and Dr. Clayton Forrester. Yes. I had no clue. As soon as they come on the screen, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's them. <laughs> and the church in the beginning, I don't oh, know damn, for that- sure, but I would bet $100 that that's the same church. And you're probably not wrong. And I love the shot um, when it's when it's uh, uh being separated and rotated yeah, but around the, but there's light there's sunlight or whatever coming through the stained yes. glass window it's a very cool shot i mean it's it's spielberg I, they're all very cool shots so unfortunately right. i did not have that depth of knowledge with that and now i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch this just so they, i can have I enjoy they, that part they appear in uh, a family photo when they get to the house mm-hmm. and then at the very end when they come out the door but as soon as they hit the screen i'm like going i know who that is yeah <laughs> so, oh my god Yes, no, yes. I definitely didn't nerds. get that. Yes, us movie yep. nerds. Yeah, you guys are movie nerds, but that's okay. Yes. I only yeah. aspire to what you Amy are. Amy Ryan <laughs> is his next door neighbor. Yes, from um um uh, the oh, office. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's She's right. For like 2.2 2 seconds. seconds. Yeah. So there yeah. she is. Yes, he is. All right. Um, so a couple of quick questions here. Uh you guys aren't prepared for these, so I'm gonna surprise you. Oh if oh. tripods attacked Cincinnati, where do you go? So you have a working car. So let's just put it that way. I know where I go. I'm going to Hocking Hills because it's nice and remote. And, you know, at least can hide in cabins for a while until they show up. Hmm. Um, You're going to Hocking Man, that's actually not a bad idea. I guess idea. it depends on, like, where you are when they attack. Like, if I'm downtown, well, And if, I would if I'm go, with my family. Well, if I'm, if I'm downtown, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> if I'm downtown, I think I would go to Union Terminal. Right. I think that might be the safest spot. And then if I'm he- up here in Lebanon, like I think I would start heading toward our cabin in Michigan. Like, like you said, get, yeah, get, yeah, get, off, the grid, get off the grid, fresh water. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think I'd make my way to Maine. I'd take my family up to the County in Maine, which is, there's nothing there. The no, entire the Northern half every of Maine. Stephen King story. And then you die. <laughs> yeah. No, because I'm taking all my guns with me. I like everything is coming with me. Nice. Okay. So um, there's a reason for this next question. Uh, I'll ask it first and I'll explain my reasoning. Uh, Which movie does Alien Invasion better? Independence Day or War of the Worlds? The reason I bring that up is because uh, he had plans before Independence Day came out. And when it came out, he put it on the back burner and waited. To do it to do it later, so because you can I tell it with Independence Day because I absolutely freaking love the imagery of like the spaceship arriving. Okay, you know, right. like one hundred percent, I'm on board. Still or V or any of those movies, yes. like <laughs> the spaceship showing up from outer space is like awesome. I yes. it was a little right. disappointing that they came up out of the ground in this. See, I I enjoy Independence Day, but I think this is a better movie. So I'm, I think I'm, this is a better movie too, but I do. I disagree. Well, here's why: because it's more realistic. 
the progression of the attack. Not saying it's not. Stay, like you get one big attack and then everybody's dead and you got like five people left to save the earth. <laughs> yes, that's how it's going to happen. <laughs> okay. Plus, yeah, I, I, I know. In that so, movie, so, so I, I mean, if we were going <laughs> on just pure. I, I would agree with you that War of the Worlds is a better movie, but I much more enjoy the comedy-esque drama okay. that Independence Day is, and nobody will ever give me the shivers more than the president giving his speech. Like, this oh, is our... Yes. Every time, I was like, sorry, every time, I love that speech. It's And you get Jeff amazing. Goldblum, and I mean, come on. Quaid going up the butthole of oh, that I shit. Oh, God. I love that so much. Oh. <laughs> All right, more questions. Yes, which, which of these two movies has the better Tom Cruise running scene? Amber, um, I'm gonna have to say War of the Worlds because Tom Cruise is a free range runner, like, you can't have him like enclosed. And Minority Report, his running was like down a short hallway or across a room or something, like, he really didn't get his full potential. Where here he got to run, you know, like all the way down the street. So, all right, John? I agree. Right. I agree. The, the 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 specifically the running scene from the the original tripod that we saw coming up out of the ground. All right. Um, I actually picked Minority Report because I do like uh, him running down the hallways, and <laughs> um, it's 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 like when he runs, you know, everybody runs and he does. It's yeah. literally his thing in every one of his movies. And I think it's hilarious. <laughs> okay. So which of these two movies has a better Tom Cruise performance? Yes. Amber. I think War of the Worlds. I All think right. you get a better um Minority Report, he's the same person throughout the movie. And he's just reacting to the mystery and putting the puzzle together. Um, where this one he completes an arc. Okay. And it's more for me, it's more interesting to watch him go through that process. All right, John. Um, I actually chose Minority Report. Um, I liked him as being this futuristic cop and and actually picking the pieces up and and figuring it out and watching him go through that. It, it like he was very expressive. I thought he was much more emotive in this in this one, and not in a very overly expressive way. It was just like you could see him. He was piecing this stuff together, and you could see him thinking about it as he's going through it. Um, and then you watch his change. Like he had a change in War of the Worlds. He had this change when Agatha's out, and he, he was a different man when Agatha was out because all of a sudden he had somebody to take care of and move forward with in the story. And he became much more protective of of all the precogs after that. Like he was like, okay, I've got to take care of this. This is, needs to be taken care of. And you could just see him change. So I much I I really did not that I hated it in War of the Worlds. I just I liked Minority Report a little bit better. All right. Um, I'm going with Minority Report as well for everything John just said. Okay. Uh, which movie has the better action sequences? Amber. Um, I kind of feel like it depends on how you define action. Like, because I think action can be quiet as well as loud. Okay. Um, so for me, I kind of feel like Minority Report is better um, from that aspect because the scenes where like something big is happening, um, they aren't as demonstrative as War of the Worlds, but they definitely get your heart pumping and you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know how what the outcome is going to be. So okay. I would have to say Minority Report. All right, John. 
War of the Worlds. All right. I'm hands down. I just think I think from the moment he starts running away from that first sinkhole where the tripod comes up out of, it's actiony, 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 actiony. What's a chase movie? I know. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and, right. and, and you feel it through the whole thing. But I think like you you get these you get him running away action. You get him grabbing his kids action. You get him driving away fast action. You know what I mean? Like, so I felt like it was just like one big action scene until you hit Tim Robbins. And then it pauses for a moment. You get creepy vibes and then he goes back on the run again. So to me, I, I really liked all the action scenes um, in, in, in war of the worlds. Right. Um, I actually went with minority report because you know when he runs you know when he uh he's being chased by his fellow cops and uh especially when uh, uh Whitworth is chasing him and they use the concussion guns and the whole sequence inside the uh car uh plant oh, is yeah. just is so good and you know we mentioned how he's jumping from car to car and there's so many good sequences and because i even consider the the chase scene in the mall an action sequence but yeah you know yes. um i'm not saying that the ones because you're right the there's so many good ones in this one and for whatever reason i'm kind of enjoying the smaller uh sets because i think that's sometimes more fun to watch because right. i think it's it's i think it's more of a challenge to shoot smaller uh sets than it is on the big ones but that's just that's just my choice okay so, which of the two movies has more Spielberg moments? Amber. Um, I think Minority Report only really has one. I think the scene with um, the story of Sean's future, that's the only real Spielberg moment I think that movie has. I think it's an interesting thing to watch that movie and see Spielberg create like this whole world that doesn't necessarily have his fingerprints all over it and that's really interesting um but war of the worlds has so many just amazing visuals like we talked about with you know the water you know the tripod under the water the um the clothes falling down through the trees the bodies floating down the river you know just all of this nonverbal storytelling visual storytelling is just just totally him all right john I'm on board. Yes. War of the Worlds for everything that she just said. All right. I'm in agreement. Uh, we, three for three. That's a ding, that's ding, a, ding. There you go. All right. Okay. So now here's a little curveball question. Uh, which of the two movies had the better cameos? Was it Cameron Crowe and Minority Report or uh, Robinson and Barry in War of the Worlds? Amber. Um, I like Robinson and Barry in War of the Worlds just because there was like a reason to put them in there. Okay. Like the Cameron Crowe, Cameron Diaz thing was like, random like they happened to be in the neighborhood and he was like come on over be in a movie Uh, (laughs) so i like the war of the worlds all right john you want to pass on this answer feel i do not feel qualified to answer this one (laughs) because i did not even know there were cameos until you told me uh all right that's fair um i want to say cameron crow because i'm a big fan but yes i agree the fact that you have two of the original actors from the first movie showing up i think is fantastic so i will i will say that i would agree with both of your reasoning because if i had known who they were i would probably also pick them because that just seems much more layered yep all right so now tough question do you have a favorite tom cruise movie and or performance oh dear god 
Now you can pick a favorite movie and a different performance if you wish. Mm. Now, I, I would have needed to prepare for this. A yeah, I, I'm looking for knee jerk reactions here. So, okay. um, uh, my, definitely it... my favorite recent Tom Cruise movie is Mission Impossible Fallout. That, okay, cool. All right. I love that one so much. It's a great movie. Almost all the Mission Impossible has been great. Was it Night and Day with Cameron yeah. Diaz? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. I would have to say that's probably one of my favorite movies that he did because it was comedy because he's the action guy right so he's action but he's got this comedic like backboard that he's bouncing off of which i thought was fabulous it was so different for him and he did such a good job with it i'm gonna have to pick night and day all right now do you want to pick a performance as well no okay because no because i love all of the i love fallout fallout i think was probably one of the best mission impossible movies i that was phenomenal like i loved that movie but i liked night and day because it was so different it was outside of tom cruise's oh damn (laughs) i mean i really liked tom cruise i am a big big fan Um, i will pick performance i got a performance go ahead i've got a performance (laughs) though i mean the biggest thing for me is tom cruise has moments and so like there's a moment in rain man that gets me every time and there's you know this that and the other that can always like you know sort of pull out um like oh that moment in this movie you know um but i think maybe i don't know <laughs> maybe the edge of tomorrow oh yay oh that's a good one that's, that's a great a good that's one. actually my that's actually my choice for favorite movie just I'm because it's of, so good so I love freaking good scene where he makes her tea and she and all of a sudden she realizes she's like how many times have we done this <laughs> yeah right that's a good because one. he's trying Such a to good stall movie. so because he knows she's gonna die next right um, right such a good movie yeah so and more so people need to see that tomorrow. because yeah. he does to john's point like he is in the beginning he's a coward and he's a dork mm-hmm. and yeah you know completely against type and you know yeah. that's fun to watch oh, yeah that was a, yeah that god bless he's i mean god he's got such a big career because my my mm-hmm. my favorite um and and this could be favorite movie and favorite actor top gun maverick yeah, actually, that's one of the oh, rare. Oh man, it was so good. That's one of the rare times where the sequel is actually better than the original. I, no, oh, it's it's a bet. No. no, the sequel is, is the sequel is a better movie. I would you know, at least I would at movie. least make them equal, but no. I don't know. Yeah. Like, God, it was so good though. Oh, the flight sequences oh. were better. Well, oh, yes, yeah, that. Better, but no, I, I, you can tell he's flying through the entire thing, right? Have you ever noticed when you watched it the first time? Did you notice how he was flying? He was literally flying, like his. I mean, the way that he's jerking his head through that thing, yes. he is literally like flying. The G's are so like pulling his face. Yeah, I change all of my things to Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes to Top Gun Maverick right now. All right, so my uh, favorite performance was him as uh, the vampire Lestat. Because it was so dark and so different from everything he's done. He was well, not. And he got the book. Like he got that character. Yes, he, he got did. how funny he was. And he got, you know, yes. more yeah. than Brad Pitt ever did. He really got, he understood the assignment. Yes, he did. I, that's such a great, because it's so off brand. I mean, you mentioned the comedy, but. Yeah, um, but that, that, you're right. It's, it's so dark and so not him. And it was, he was so. Because he was Lestat in that, right? Wasn't he yes. Lestat? Yeah. Yep. 
Yes, he was. He was. I don't know. And- I think I was because I had recently read that when when that movie came out. Right. I read most of those interviews and um, I don't know. I it, it didn't jibe from the book to that. And I envisioned Lestat to be completely different than how he portrayed him. So I think that's kind of shades my view of that movie. OK, All right. that's fair. OK, so now the big one. Do you have a favorite Spielberg movie? I hate oh. you for this question. <laughs> I hate you for this question. Oh, um, Lord have yes, mercy. Yes, I do. Jurassic Park. Okay. All right. Ooh. Yeah. OG Jurassic Park. I well, mean, I, I, yeah. I like it because of the I like it because of the physicality or the physical um uh, oh my god. This not they're not C, it's not all CGI. Yeah, it, right. They they've got a, they've got a ton of physical effects in there. Um I think his direction of um Oh my God, Alan and what's the woman's name when oh, they yeah, come yeah. over the hill right. and they see the dinosaurs the first time? I believe that there are dinosaurs <laughs> behind that camera. Laura Dern, yeah, Thank Laura you. Dern is the actress. I, yeah. I was like, oh my God, what's her name? I, I'm yeah. like, I'm not a movie nerd like you guys are. I can barely remember my own name, much less somebody else's in a movie. Um, I like, I genuinely it, like. That's one of my favorite scenes out of almost any movie is because they acted it so well. I was, it was such a believable thing. And I, who doesn't like dinosaurs? It was just, it was so amazing at the time. So I would hands down have to say Jurassic Park. All right, Amber. Um. Oh, I'm gonna say <laughs> so many to choose from. Honestly, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. Oh, that's a good one Star, too. Like the very first one, because See, I personally think that the opening 20 minutes of that movie are the best opening 20 yes. minutes of like any movie, hands down. Like the greatest introduction of a character. I just there is so much that I love about that movie. And, yeah, as well as you should because um, it's amazing yeah <laughs> and um i like you know one of the things about spielberg is he has had such a long career and has done so many different kinds of things mm-hmm. like schindler's um, list yeah yes. like you him? could go yes. serious yes. you could go pop you could go you know historical um you know there's just so much but i tend to go og and Oh my god, yeah. Um, that's a good I, one. I, I wanted yeah. to say Jaws, but I really think Raiders is a better movie. Um yes. okay. So I will I will kind of agree. Uh, Raiders I've seen Raiders Lost Ark in the theater 19 mm-hmm. times because I love <gasps> wow. that movie. 19 so times. Good. I thought I was like yes. a badass because I've seen it like three. <laughs> no, I I every when I when it first was in the theaters and it was be yep. re-released or whatever as a kid, anytime I had enough money. It was me and my friend Timber or me and Chris or whatever. We were going to see Raiders Lost Ark. That's just how it was. Didn't matter what else was playing. We're going to see Raiders again. And then when they released it for the anniversary a few years ago, I went back and saw it my 19th time. So I love that movie. Okay, wait. I got to interject the cutest story ever. I'll make it really quick. (laughs) When I was like, I don't know, about 10, 10, 11, I was taking religious instruction. And so I would go to the convent uh-huh. Like, I don't know, Tuesday nights and meet <laughs> with one of the nuns and take religious instruction. Well, while we were sitting in a parlor talking about, you know, God and faith and Catholicism and this, that, and the other, all the other little nuns, and I'm telling you, they were all about 90 years old, were sitting in the front room 
watching TV, and one of the nights I was there, they were watching Raider the Silver Lost Ark. And I just think that is the uh, best story. Ever. That's fabulous. So sorry, I had to throw it out there. No, that's that's amazing. Um, I should say Raiders Lost Ark, but since you said it, I'm going to go with my knee jerk reaction and say Jaws. Just because oh, of what of I what, was torn. Well, because of what he was able to do with that. I mean, that was still very early in his career mm-hmm. and all the problems he had to overcome and, well, literally, and the brilliance of that problem solving. Yes. And people have have tried to copy it ever since. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, I love Raiders of Lost Ark. I love that whole story, that character, whatever. But at that point, he kind of he figured things out. He was problem solving all the way through Jaws. And it and it's still a great movie to this day. So I'm going to say Jaws. Okay. So now Two we're going to get right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was amazing. You're supposed to say, no, you can be wrong all day long. That's fine. <laughs> That's my uh, line. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Excuse me. What's happening? Did you guys take it down? No, sir. It was behaving erratically, walking in circles. Then it went down on its own about an hour ago. Now, please, let's go. Let's go. Keep moving. Come on. Don't stop. Do not stop. Let's go. Thank you. So um, what we're going to do is we are going to go ahead and rate each one. Uh, our options are never again, stream it, buy it used, buy it new, or the 4K Blu-ray. So, Amber, what is your rating for Minority Report? Um, initially I was thinking like stream it or buy it used. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I think I'd like to do like a 4k Blu-ray just for the bonus features. Okay. All right. I would love to do a deep dive. All right. That's fair. That's fair. John. Buy it new baby. Buy it new. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I'm going to jump on and say the 4k Blu-ray because it's, like I, I couldn't come up with anything I didn't like about this movie. It's so much fun. I will watch it over and over again, and it's just fantastic all the way through. Um, okay, so for War of the Worlds, what rating are we going to give it, Amber? Um, I still, as much fun as I had watching it, I think it'll be stream it, and it'll be stream it like maybe once every five years. All right. All right. John? Buy it used. All right. Like that I'm Mustang. Gonna... <laughs> 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 that he left behind. Um, yes. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> um, I'm going to say buy it new because it's a great popcorn movie. It's a lot of fun. And uh, the visuals are amazing. There's so many really awesome Spielberg shots in it. So it's for me, it's a, it's a buy it new. It's just, it's worth it. Uh, well, guys, uh, this was a lot of fun. And Amber, I am super thrilled with the fact that you've turned uh, your opinion on War of the Worlds because Applause, I, I was literally I was digging my heels in prepared to argue with you. So and the fact that I didn't have to do that, it actually. Well, and I was prepared to just shit on it through the whole thing and be like, this is the worst thing in the history of anything. What oh, that's amazing. And it was so much fun to watch it and have just a complete 180. So, well, good, good. All right. Well, as always, uh, thank you, Amber. Thank you. Thank you, Disney John. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you. All right. And I'd like to take a moment to thank the listeners as well. Uh, It means very much to us that you take uh, time out of your day to make us part of that said day. Uh, Thank you so much. It really is um, wonderful to think that there are people all across this uh, blue ball giving us a listen. It's fabulous. Um, reach out onto social media and let us know what you think about these two movies. Uh, what's your favorite Spielberg movie? Uh, your favorite Tom Cruise running scene? 
anything you want to let us know about this particular topic, we are on Twitter at DockingBase77Pod, on Facebook at DockingBase77Podcast. Uh, send us an email, DockingBase77Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to help support the show in another way, uh, you can go to Patreon as for as little as $1 a month. You can help offset the cost of putting this podcast together. Uh, the holiday season uh, is very much upon us. Uh, it can be a lot for some and too much for others. Uh, slow down and take time to enjoy what's really important. Uh, look out for each other. And whatever you celebrate at this time of the year, please enjoy the time you have with your family and friends. Come back next week. Tim Brown and John Wright are going to stop by. We are discussing The Lost Christmas Eve from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Do yourself a favor. Watch more movies. And remember, physical media is better than streaming. The Ducking Bay 77 podcast is produced and edited by Dayton Johnson. Recorded with Rode Pod mics, the Zoom Pod Track P4, and edited on Audacity. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. You can find him on YouTube and Bandcamp. Thank you for listening.